Well, the Baltimore Ravens pass on signing DeAndre Hopkins due to their younger wide receivers. We talk about that and a lot more coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, both in video form and in audio form. So be sure to subscribe for free on any platform you get your podcasts. And we are back talking Ravens football, talking more DeAndre Hopkins. And you're, you're probably thinking, Kevin, Kevin, you've talked so much about DeAndre Hopkins, but there is an angle to this. There is an angle to the DeAndre Hopkins situation with potentially Baltimore that I want to get more into today. And that is if the Ravens will just pass up on him altogether due to their younger wide receivers like Rashad Bateman and like Zay Flowers. So we'll get into that in the first part of the show. In the second part of the show, I want to talk a bit about Todd Munkin and whether he honestly has been the biggest addition that Baltimore's had this offseason. And that why it's not necessarily a bad thing, honestly, if that is the case. And then finally, in the last part of the show, we'll talk about something Lamar Jackson had to say. We'll hear from some more Ravens today at OTAs. But I want to get into something Lamar Jackson said when he was meeting with the media at OTAs. One specific quote about running the football and what that means for the offense. So all that diving into us here today on Locked On Ravens. And again, if you want to get Daily Ravens content, we're here for you five days a week, Monday through Friday. So Ravens news analysis updates, we're here for you. And if you have a friend or a family member who wants Ravens coverage, Ravens content, Ravens perspective, we have them covered here on Locked On Ravens. But DeAndre Hopkins is the topic of conversation here for the first part of the show. I know it's a lot of DeAndre Hopkins talk, but... Again, we don't usually get what I think is a top 10 wide receiver on the free agent market in late May. Well, now it's early June. Happy June, everybody. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins gets cut in late May, and that doesn't really happen. Now we are in the first day of June, and this is post-June 1. Well, you know, post-June 1 will be post-June 1. But those cuts now, I think we'll start to see a couple guys get cut with those post-June 1st designations. And we'll see if any player appeals to Baltimore, whether it is a wide out or an edge or a corner. But for DeAndre Hopkins, again, super talented receiver. He would be the best receiver on the Ravens roster for sure. But the way they've revamped their room, it's not a need. And it's kind of weird to be saying that after we've gone years and years and years talking on this show. And you can go back even before I started hosting the show about the wide receiver position in Baltimore, how they need to add, how they've struggled just finding talent, the position and now, you know, it's no longer the pounding the table of Julio Jones or Antonio Brown or all those guys that, you know, we've kind of mentioned in multiple different seasons, multiple different off seasons. Now you have a room that's deep. It has talent. It has potential. And as we talked about yesterday with Engraven Viz, we talked about whether the Ravens have constructed the best wide receiver core in the NFL at this point. And if you want to hear the our answer to that, be sure to check out that video from yesterday and pop over to Engraven's channel because I recorded a video over there with him as well. But now Baltimore has an opportunity to potentially add this top 10 wide receiver and have Odo Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers. With the offense moving in to, I think, a 
throwing era, essentially, you know, they're kind of, I assume they're going to move away from running the football and throw a lot more here, not abandon the run game. Cause that's something they do well, but they're going to throw the ball a lot more. It makes sense why they signed Odell, why they drafted Zay Flowers and spent a first round pick on a wide receiver, brought in Nelson Aguilar. And it, it would make sense if they signed DeAndre Hopkins, but what does that come at the expense of the, the topic of conversation is well, it would take away snaps from Rashad Bateman. It would take away snaps from Zay Flowers. It would stunt growth. It would make people unhappy, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that is a viewpoint of maybe what the, the domino effect of signing DeAndre Hopkins would be. Now, to me, I think that, you know, would the Ravens pass up on signing DeAndre Hopkins just due to Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers? I, I don't think they would solely do it because of that i think it would have to be a combination of money just not being there them feeling confident in guys like rashad bateman and zay flowers and, and them contributing in big roles this year and also maybe they want to save some money for a corner or an edge but if they feel like deandre hopkins makes their team better i don't think rashad bateman moving down to number three on the depth charter zay flowers moving out to number four would necessarily stop them now how would it affect rashad bateman if deandre hopkins got brought in sure it would absolutely decrease his snap count would decrease his touches. And, you know, there is only one ball, you know, not everybody can get 10 catches a game and a hundred yards a game and a, you know, a touchdown a game. But with this whole thing, I think people are, are kind of, I don't want to say blowing it out of proportion because it, it is a valid viewpoint. Like I understand what people are saying and it, it is right to an extent where it would take away touches from Rashad Bateman. But I don't think at least, you know, I don't view Bateman as somebody who would like, hold the grudge or be spiteful of that right now. Yes, it is his year three. Yes, he has a lot to prove. And when you start talking about a second contract for a shot, I I've talked about this before, but it's, it's not the exact same thing because JK Dobbins suffered that injury in 2021 that cost him that whole year. But Bateman suffered two injuries, one in his rookie season and one in his sophomore season. But when people start talking about second contracts, J.K. Dobbins right now is in a contract year, and Bateman is not. You know, I just want to put that out there. Bateman's not right now. But J.K. Dobbins in a contract year, this is the year for him. to. If he breaks out, I think he's going to get a big deal. If he busts, which I don't think he will, but if he does, then it starts to be, oh, well, should the Ravens have given him more carries to move him along a little faster? The injury, of course, you know, you can't control that, and that's really unfortunate. But with Bateman, it's, oh, well, if you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, you have Odell already. Is this going to stunt his growth, not let him grow to his potential? Is it going to mess up a contract for him? I don't think you can think like that in the NFL if you're building a team. You know, if DeAndre Hopkins makes you better on offense and you have the money and it works out and it makes sense for you, then then go ahead and sign him, right? That That's my opinion of it, where I still think it makes sense for the Ravens. Is it their biggest need? Absolutely not. Would they be fine without him? Yes. I, I am confident Rashad Bateman is a number two. I, I don't look, I don't even think the move happens. Honestly, it, it would be really cool if it did. I don't personally think it will, because I think the Baltimore feels good enough in Bateman and feels good enough in flowers. And obviously Odell too. And, and the rest of their guys where they can look at it and say, well, you know, if, if we have to pony up more money than we're comfortable with, if that's what the Ravens are saying to themselves, where they're like, uh, we don't, we don't know. We might want to save the money for somebody else. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that if it is just solely for the purpose of, you know, getting Bateman more touches, Bateman, I think, deserves touches this year. I think he's going to get him. I think he's going to play really well, of course, health permitting after the two injuries. But 
when you take a look at just what it takes to win a championship, build an NFL contender, the Ravens have certainly built a roster that you can put in that contender status. But if you can add a top 10 player at any position, quarterback, you know, two top 10 quarterbacks, it's kind of redundant. Like, it'd be cool to have them, but like, you're only starting one. You're not really going to go 50 50 on that. Maybe some team will probably do it one day where they'll play one quarterback and then they'll play another like top 10 guy. They'll have two on the roster. But outside of very few positions, you want, if you can sign a top 10 guy at a position, and like Roquan Smith, for example, I talked about this with Ingram Raven on his channel. Roquan Smith, we talk about how DeAndre Hopkins was a luxury. Roquan Smith was kind of a luxury last year. Everybody wanted Brandon Cooks. Everybody thought Brandon Cooks would be a great move for the Ravens. I did too. I, w- I was on the Brandon Cooks train. Everybody wanted a wide receiver because for the Ravens, it's a different wide receiver room now after what they've done to revamp the room. But before, in 2022, it was they're trusting Bateman, they're, they're trusting Duvernay. They have to have these guys get through a season healthy. Obviously, they did not. But it was, well, they need to add Cooks to huge need. Patrick Queen was playing well before Roquan Smith came in. Now, obviously, it got taken to a whole new level when Roquan Smith got brought in. But Roquan Smith at that point, with Malik Harrison already in that room and a couple other guys, it it was a luxury because it wasn't the most immediate need. We know we floated the idea here on Locked on Ravens of the trade. A lot of other people did, too, of, oh, Roquan Smith would be really nice in this defense. He would make them better. But is he the biggest need? Is that position the biggest need? No, but his addition made the defense better by a wide margin, and they play really well with him in there. It's the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. Well, not exactly the same, but it's somewhat the same with DeAndre Hopkins where it'd be a luxury. They have players of the position, and you could argue that, yeah, they should save the money for a corner. They should save the money for an edge, et cetera, et cetera. But with $11-ish million in cap space, I think if the Ravens were to go out there and sign DeAndre Hopkins – it would be a move that would, again, better the offense if they don't, which, again, I don't think it will. If they don't make the move, if they pass on him, I don't think it would be solely for Rashad Bateman and, and Zay Flowers and saying, well, we, we want to get those guys touches. Of course they want to get those guys touches. I think they deserve touches. But even if Odell is only there for a year and Hopkins is only there for a year, if that's what happens, you still have Bateman for his fourth year and his fifth year option. If that gets picked up, say flowers is there for three more years and the fifth year option. If that gets picked up, it's not like this is Bateman's contract year and that's it after this. And even if Odell or Hopkins stays for a year after that, you're surrounding Lamar Jackson with all the, all this talent. And I don't think you can have enough, at the wide receiver position, especially if a guy goes down or Beckham can't finish the year or Bateman can't finish the year, having Hopkins in there would be a pretty nice insurance policy. In fact, he he would be the number one guy in this offense. So will the Ravens sign DeAndre Hopkins? I, I won't predict it. I still don't think they will, but if they don't, I don't think it would solely be because they want to save, you know, targets for their young guys. They want to make their team better. If Hopkins makes their team better, they will find a way to look into it at least. But again, I think they'll probably go corner or edge over Hopkins. But hey, it'd be cool if they got Hopkins. But we'll see what happens with him. In the second part of the show, we'll be talking about Todd Munkin. And if he has been the biggest addition to the Ravens this offseason, so we should have stayed tuned a lot to dive into Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers, you get a no sweat first, but up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back. 
in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And we are here, the NBA Finals. My Denver Nuggets going up against the Miami Heat. It's going to be Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler if you want to bet props on those guys. Or just bet on the game, game one here tonight. You can do it with FanDuel. They have great promotions every day. It's just on a safe and secure app. You can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a nose what first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back here. Our second segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you on this Thursday. Thank you again for being here with us today, making us your first listen today and every day and be sure to stay tuned for tomorrow's episode a very special one for me as it will be my 1000th episode of locked on ravens so crazy 1000 consecutive episodes monday through friday i've never missed one so we'll celebrate that on tomorrow's show and as we end the week with my 1000th episode next week beginning next week something very special will be beginning on locked on ravens start of a new era in multiple ways the show will be looking different so be sure to stay tuned and Get with us at the beginning of next week as well to see what the changes are on YouTube for the show, but also in audio form too if you want to listen there, same show there. But Tom Munkin, let's talk about him a little bit. And honestly, if he is the biggest addition the Ravens have made this offseason, for me, you know, everybody looks to Odell, and I think that was a huge addition. It, it kind of changed the way that the Ravens will change the way I think a lot of people looked at the Ravens and how they addressed the wide receiver position from in multiple different ways, right? The the use of void years was very big. And a lot of people are, you know, they never, they never, 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 never thought Baltimore was going to look into void years. And they've done it with Odell. They've done it with Lamar. I, I can't remember if they did it with, did it with Rock Yestin or not. I'm not, I don't think they did, if I'm not mistaken. The fact that they even used it in the first place, you know, Odell was a huge signing for him. But I think the addition of Todd Munkin, and I'm going to do an episode on this. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm going to do a more in-depth dive on this topic. But I just want to kind of talk about it now. I think Todd Munkin honestly has been the biggest addition to Baltimore. I think if DeAndre Hopkins gets brought in, then it's Hopkins. But to me, I think the shift from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin is just so big for this team. We we all know that things were getting kind of stale with Greg Roman. You know, the offense just wasn't producing the way it was supposed to. And look, you know, I I can say, and a lot of other people can too, not having Lamar at the back end of those two years hurt the offense. Because look, Tyler Huntley, he's, I think, a fine backup. I know some people like him. Some people don't. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's terrible. Lamar makes this offense go. Without Lamar, the offense is, in most ways, a sunk cost. But with Lamar, you know, there were just recurring issues with Greg Roman that I couldn't let slide. Greg Roman honestly should have been probably let go before the start of last year at the end of the 2021 season. But I understood why Baltimore kept him. I was shocked they got rid of either guy. I mean, I was shocked they got rid of Don Martindale. Wasn't shocked they got rid of Roman this offseason. It felt like it was time. But I had said before the 2022 season started and before they let go of Martindale, right at the end of 2021, I said, look, there were so many injuries. Maybe they just want to run it back one more time, see what they can do. And then if it doesn't work, then they're out. They, I think Don Martindale was somebody I was shocked at that firing. Then Greg Roman, I said, you know, if if you're going to get rid of one, I get rid of both. (laughs) And I said, you should get rid of Greg Roman too. They didn't do it. And it was the same stuff. It was the play clock issues. It was in-game awareness, in-game adjustments, the lack of, so you bring in Todd Munkin now, a proven play caller, both at the NFL and college level. And this is kind of stuff we talked about when the Ravens first hired him. And it's going to be a shift 
and things we've talked about all off season. And even, you know, before we knew whether the quarterback is going to be Lamar or not, that he puts his guys, his players in the best positions. And to me, that is, a, that is as big of a thing as any, because we saw, look, Patrick Ricard, great player, shouldn't be playing in the slot, right? I think Greg Roman got a little too cute, too creative, and then didn't get creative at all when he needed to. It, the, the whole joke was the, oh, well, what's it, what's he going to bring out of his vault? You know, the, he has the vault. And the, the biggest meme of that, I think, was James Prochet's like reverse interception throw, which was just horrible in-game awareness, horrible play calling by Greg, and just a horrible play overall. And they lost that game. Because it was against it was Jacksonville and it was um it was just terrible. So I think Todd Munkin brings a sense of just feeling out a game a little bit more. Greg Roman, he he was the architect of that 2019 historic offense. I'm not saying Greg Roman was just terrible since the start of his Ravens tenure. He did good things, but it was it was just time to move on, time to get somebody fresh in. And the fact that the Ravens made that move in the first place, the fact that we're going to be able to see Lamar Jackson in a non-Greg Roman offense, I think is just, it's a sense of relief for me because it was just the same stale thing over and over and over again where you could see this offense just go stagnant for multiple quarters. And I think with Baltimore bringing in Monk and going to a more throw-heavy approach, which I think is the right decision, I don't think you should have been in the run game, which I don't think they're going to, but the Ravens predicated their offensive success on the run game and we'll talk about what Lamar Jackson had to say about running in the final segment because it was a very interesting quote. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but it's going to be a shift in personnel. Where a question that I've asked, and again, we're going to we'll dive into this more in another show. But personnel is going to be a little different this year. We're going to be we're going to be seeing a lot more four wide receiver sets. We're going to be seeing a lot more of guys going all over the field and being versatile. Now, Greg Roman was, I think, versatile. He, he let his players be versatile, but just not in the ways that, that, that he needed to. I think with the Lamar Jackson getting freedom as well, that's going to be really huge. And to me, Todd Munkin and just how he can install this offense, look, there are probably going to be growing pains early on. We saw it with the defense last year with Mike McDonald, where, look, the end of the year, we were looking at that defense saying, wow, this is one of the greatest, like the greatest units in football right now. But to begin the year, I mean, a lot of people, we can go back to the Miami game. I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm bringing it up because I don't, I don't want to. It's a terrible thing to remember. But the Ravens offense was on fire that game, and the defense just gave it up. That was something I think Mike McDonald's NFL play calling and experience, that it came out that day. It came out in that fourth quarter. Todd Munkin is more, a more experienced play caller coming into Baltimore as Mike McDonald was at the NFL level. He coached for three years as the offensive coordinator. In Tampa, another one in Cleveland, that was with Odell. But just the fact that they're going to be shifting around guys, shifting their offensive philosophy a little bit, and I think playing to the strengths of their players makes Todd Munkin such a huge addition, where with Greg Roman, you could just see stuff coming. The, the, the sheer, I don't even know what to call it, but just him not being able to adjust in running the football when needed to be throwing it, throwing it when needed to be running it. It, it was it was frustrating for it was frustrating for me <laughs> to, to watch that every single week. I think we're going to see a lot better in-game awareness from Todd Munkin. I'm very excited for that. So I will say, I will say that Todd Munkin so far is the biggest addition to the Ravens. I think Odell was huge, but the fact that they're bringing in a guy in Todd Munkin who again, the players seem to really like like just practicing under him so far. 
That's another big thing. I think the vibes are just a little different now. There was always some tension. Seemed like there was some tension with John Harbaugh at the end of the year. Always felt like Lamar Jackson, like he would say the right things, but I don't think he was fully on board with Greg Roman being there. So I think this is just a necessary breath of fresh air, and I'm excited to see how it goes. But coming up in our final part of the show, we'll be diving into what Lamar had to say to OTAs, one specific quote about running the ball and what that means for the Ravens in 2023 and how they need to manage their run game. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to dive into on the show. We are back rounding out Locked On Ravens on a Thursday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. Again, be sure to check out us on tomorrow's show for Fridays is my 1000th episode. You know, it's just a, it's a big milestone for me. You know, I've worked really hard for this. So I, I, it's a big one. So I'm excited for that episode tomorrow. And then on Monday, we're going to be introducing a new look to the show. A little spoiler, a new look to locked on Ravens. So be sure to check out Monday's show for Ravens content and a new era of locked on Ravens. So we're going to be looking at that over the course of the next couple of days. But in this final segment, we're going to be diving into what Lamar Jackson had to say to the media at OTAs last week. But just one specific thing he had to say. And we've talked about it a tab, but I want to dive more into it, where Jonas Schaefer, the Baltimore Banner, asked Lamar Jackson. He's, Jonas asked Lamar about when John Harbaugh was looking for a new offensive coordinator. It seemed like Lamar indicated that he wanted a new style of offense. And what does that mean, you know, a new style of offense? And then he was asked, do you feel like Todd Munkin has that style of offense for you? And he talked about, you know, just being able to throw the ball down the field. And he said, running can only take you so far. And he says that with this new era of teams and offenses in the league, he feels like we need the throwing the ball down the field aspect. But running can only take you so far. It's such an interesting philosophy, especially with how the Ravens have operated essentially in the entire Lamar Jackson era up to this point predicated on running the football round and pound some, you know, motioning blockers in figuring out heavy sets and the Ravens, I think they performed well with it, but I, I tend to agree with Lamar where I think it can only take you so far in the way that it, there's, there's a ceiling to it. You know, I think the floor is somewhat higher, but the ceiling is so much lower to me. I think if you predicate your offense more on throwing the football, and look, Lamar can do it. We we know he can do it, and there are still to this day people who say he can't throw the football. Obviously, he can. Obviously, he's done it before, and Lamar likes doing it. Again, the, the interview where he – I can't remember when it was, but he was asked, you know, do you like running or throwing? And he said throwing well, more. What do you like more, running or throwing? And he said he likes throwing more. And people were like, what? He's so good at running. What do you mean? And I'm like – what do you mean? He's a quarterback. Of course he likes to throw the ball. So to me, with the way the Ravens have shaped out, I think Lamar is genuinely genuinely excited about this. And the fact that the Ravens have gone out there, you know, again, Lamar requested the Ravens, you know, yes. He said, hey, can you go out there? You know, is it possible? Go out there, get Odo Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins. They got Odell. They can still get DeAndre Hopkins. But his inquiry about going out there and maybe getting a, a, an Odell or DeAndre then they get Odell, they get Zay Flowers, they bring in Nelson Aguilar. You already have Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay in that equation as well, plus Mark Andrews, who's one of the best pass-catching tight ends in this league. And, you know, the, the ranking conversation, that's, that's a conversation for another day. That can get a little heated. But to me, running can only take you so far is so interesting, and I think it's why we're going to see less of it. But, again, it's how, how do you balance it because you can't just take it away. The Ravens have been so good at it and so successful at it, where it's not like they're it's not like they were running the ball and averaging three yards a carry. 
they were, you know, 2019 aside, even they still were really good at running the football. Their offensive line was built for tons of pullers, tons of guys out in space. We're going to see, I think more of a traditional, you know, Lamar actually being, you know, we'll see him roll out. We'll see him do that, but him actually standing in the pocket, which again, he can, he can do it. He's done it before and he's good at it. He is a good pocket passer. We're going to see more of that. Lamar progressing through his reads. Lamar taking the reins of the offense, him getting handed the keys. He'll take those reins, go through progressions. And some, one of the things that I've identified with Greg Roman, and it's something I've talked about, is with him, with the stuff with the play clock, it had much more implications than just, oh, they're, they're stressed out. They're getting to the line. With Lamar not getting to the line quickly, and again, it was just the, the play call not getting in fast enough and, and this, that, and the other. Lamar didn't have time to really like read the defense and figure out, oh, is pressure coming from this way? Is it all out? Are they going to drop guys? Where's the coverage? Or, or is the safety creeping up to the line? He barely had time to do any of that because they would get to the line so late. You know, if he gets to the line, all right, set hut. Like they, they had to snap the ball. Like it, literally, you had to do it. So I don't know. For me, it's it's like you're, you're sitting down at a table and, you know, you want to figure out, oh, like, you know, what do we have for dinner here, right? Like, here's the lasagna, here's the chicken, here's the, but no, you know, you got to sit down at the table and, uh, you know, if you're in a rush to eat, you got to go do something really quickly. You have five minutes to eat. You got to get everything on your plate, eat really fast, and then you zoom, you got to go do something. Lamar didn't have enough time to look at the table, look at, look at the lasagna, the chicken, the green beans and everything, and say, all right, here's what everything is. This is what I want to do here. That's probably a really bad analogy, but I tried. But, you know, looking at it, Lamar is now going to have time to sit down and figure it out. You know, hopefully he gets to the line with 15 seconds left, even 10 seconds. It, the, the 10 seconds would be a luxury with the Greg Roman offense. And, you know, what, what we saw over the course of the past couple of years, the play clock going 3-2-1-0. And again, you know, you can talk about the delay of game penalties and honestly how bad it looked that they did it consistently. But with Lamar doing that, he can now motion guys. He can audible. He can check out a place that he doesn't feel like it's going to go well. Lamar just didn't have enough of that last year, where right? I don't think there was enough of the trust factor. Kadrius Man and I talked about this on last Friday's show, where it just it didn't feel like there was enough trust between Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman, where Greg Roman said, hey, we're going to give you this, and, and we're going to let you have freedom with it. I'm not saying Lamar had zero freedom, but I think he had – a lot less than he deserved to have. So with running the football, the other question becomes, well, how much are you going to run Lamar? And it's interesting because I don't think they have as much of a need to anymore. And I I, I really don't think that they want to as much anymore. And I, I don't think Lamar wants to as much anymore, honestly. I think that, you know, the days of, you know, you go back to 2018, 2019, the days of the RPO were long gone. Like you're not going to consistently run that, but we've seen still Lamar with some options, take the ball up 50 yards for a touchdown. You don't want to completely eliminate a part of your offense that has had so much success. You you want to incorporate it with the other part of the new offense, which I think will also have so much success. So for Lamar, how many carries is he going to get? How he's going to run the football to me? I think, you know, running him any, any, you know, five to nine, six to nine times a game, with maybe maybe he goes to 10 or 11, depending on if there's pressure, if he's rolling out, if he's scrambling away. There are some aspects of that. But again, what's it going to look like for Lamar? What's it going to look like for J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards? How many carries are those guys going to get? I think J.K. Dobbins 
takes on more of a lead back. I, th- I think it's going to be a very established, like J.K. Dobbins is the one, Gus Edwards is the two. But Gus Edwards is still a guy who deserves carries, right? J.K. Dobbins deserves them too. But are we going to see J.K. Dobbins get, I think he's had, again, one game with over 15 carries in his entire career. To me, that that's not, especially, it wasn't enough when the Ravens are running the ball, you know, 30, 40 times a game. That was criminal. But now it's, well, if they're throwing the ball more, is J.K. going to get, you know, 12, 13, 14 a game? Is Gus Edwards going to get six, seven, eight, nine carries? Those are the types of questions the Ravens have to ask themselves because we're going to see an offense that, you know, Odell is going to be getting targets and Bateman and, and even guys like Zay Flowers and obviously Mark Andrews and those guys. But where does that where does that leave the run game? Are we going to see more of an involvement with Dobbins in the pass game? Is that where he's going to get his touches? Same thing with Edwards. I, I think so. I think we're going to get that. But there are just so many questions to ask for this Ravens team in terms of just what is this shift going to look like? Because they're shifting their offensive identity. Again, not saying they're going to completely abandon the ground game and run it 10, 15 times a game. But they're going to throw the ball more. It's an adjustment I'm excited to see but I'm so curious as to how they're actually going to adjust and what the run game is going to look like moving forward. That's all I have for you here today on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, be sure to subscribe for free, both in video form and in audio form for daily Ravens content five days a week. Let me get back here tomorrow, my 1,000th episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. More Ravens content, of course, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.